Hello, and welcome to By Association, a new podcast from the Illinois Soybean Association. I'm Rachel Peabody. And I'm Betsy Osman. And today we'll be talking to Dr. Andrew Marganot, soil scientist and faculty member at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. After his PhD research on soil fertility at UC Davis, Andrew joined the Illinois agricultural scene in 2017, where he leads a research team that evaluates soil fertility and nutrient cycling in our state and the greater north central U.S. region. Andrew's research focuses in particular on nitrogen and phosphorus management, soil health, and carbon crediting, with the goal of supporting efficient use of nutrients for profitable crop production while ensuring environmental quality. Andrew's been a friend of the Illinois Soybean Checkoff for several years now from a standpoint of working on funded uh, Checkoff-funded research. Andrew, tell us a little bit more about what some of your uh, Checkoff-funded projects are this year. Sure thing. Thanks for having me here, Rachel. So we've got two current Checkoff-funded projects, uh, and these fall into what our lab does at the U of I, which is to understand how to manage nutrients more efficiently for crop production and to protect water quality. So the first project that we have, which concluded this past harvest, was a two-year project looking at the four R's of phosphorus for soybean specifically. A lot of time uh, we think about phosphorus with respect to, to corn. We put P on typically at the beginning of the corn-soybean crop rotation. In this work, though, we focused on how can we manage phosphorus for soybean specifically, and also in ways that not just increase or maintain yield, but decrease nutrient losses. So we looked at the four R's of uh, placement, uh, timing, rate, and source, including things like triple superphosphate that isn't as commonly used just because it, it's harder to find. So that's the current uh, wrapping up ISA checkoff fund project. We also just embarked on a new four-year project with ISA looking at uh, multiple outcomes of soils. So soil health, water quality, and climate forcing or carbon credits in soybean uh, crop production systems, looking at uh, wheat, soybean, double crop, as well as the typical corn soybean crop rotation. Andrew, tell us a little bit about how you landed in the career that you are in now and your sort of journey to the University of Illinois and working with soil fertility and environmental quality. Um, just tell us a little bit about how you arrived where you are today. I'd be happy to. It's a bit of a, a indirect journey. So I grew up uh, largely in New England, and it used to be big farming area, not so much these days. Once people found the black soils of the Midwest, people left the farms of New England. But I grew up next to a sheep farm, and they hired me to clean out the stables, and they had a little bit of crop production. So I got exposed to that as a teenager. And then um, after college, wanted to do something that was uh, practically useful to the world. Very naive, I know, but that led me to graduate school at UC Davis in California. And then from there, I uh, began doing soil science, went to East Africa, to Kenya and Tanzania for the first time in 2014. And, and until then, I didn't really take what I was doing that seriously. Don't tell my students this. Um, but it, it took seeing subsistence farmers who are tilling by hand, they're growing, if they're lucky, 30 bushel corn and they're eating that corn, seeing the reality when you have poor soil quality, what that means for food security really lit a flame in me. And that um, once I got back to UC Davis, I was, uh, it, it changed me. And so I was quite uh, driven to help make a difference. 
So from there, um, this position came up in 2017. I applied and I was fortunate to be offered. And I've been here now for going on five and a half years. Andrew, you work on a lot of topics that are really, I would say, pivotal to soybean production right now. Tell us a little bit more about why the Carbon Footprint Project and what do you think Illinois soybean farmers will stand to learn from that? Definitely. So this new project that we have with ISA is looking at, we use the word benchmarking, multiple outcomes. And so one of these is uh, carbon credits. Uh, and then two other outcomes are, of course, yield. Um, but beyond that, soil health and water quality. So we're trying to, in one place, um, at the same time, quantify all these different things. Yield is first and foremost, as is profitability. But then we want to understand in a given system, be it say no tillage or with or without a cover crop, whether you're on an alpha sol in the south of the state or on a malosol in the northern part, um, what do these things look like? So might you potentially increase soil carbon and thus have potential carbon credit benefits for these emerging markets if you do no-till plus a, a cover crop, but might that have an impact on yield, be it negative or, or a positive? And I feel like a lot of studies will individually look at one of these outcomes. They'll look at just the carbon side, or they'll look at just yield, or maybe just a component of soil health. So by examining all of these in concert, we will have answers across our three sites that straddle South, Central, and North Illinois to understand uh, where might a given practice combination give you different payoffs on different outcomes. And we think this is important because it gives producers information. If they want to maximize, say, soil carbon, if they're going to go the way of uh, enrolling in carbon credit payment programs, then they'll have the information on what would work best in their context. If they want to um, help contribute to nutrient loss reductions, then we'll also have information on that. Of course, this is all going to be based on the profitability of these systems, first and foremost. Andrew, we always like to ask people about um, the, their influences, people who have sort of influenced your direction or your path, either personally or professionally. That is a great question. So I would say one of my mentors in graduate school uh, worked quite a bit with farmers in California. Um, she was a Californian and grew up on a California uh, tomato farm. She was pretty adamant about needing to shut up and listen when you're a researcher, that when you show up to a field and it's, you know, you're a guest first and, and foremost, and second, you don't really know what you're talking about. How could you ever know more than the person who, you know, tills that land and works that land? It has been for many, many years. So this is Dr. Louise Jackson. Um, what Dr. Jackson taught me was that when you show up to a farm, you should probably shut your mouth and listen, because there's, there's a lot of things that you can learn from the farmers working that piece of ground. And I took that to heart when I was working in Kenya and Tanzania, uh, later on in South America, in you know, very different contexts than the U.S., but that's what I try to do here as well. I feel like researchers sometimes commit the sin of babbling a little bit too much or telling people even worse how they should farm when in fact uh, farmers know how their system works. And I think we should start there by listening and understanding how they are thinking it works. So to answer your question, Betsy, that would be a pretty influential figure who taught me how to think and also just the role of researchers in agricultural sciences. And Andrew, I certainly can attest that you do have a great reputation in Illinois for being 
a great listener to Illinois farmers and understanding their production and their practices at a very field level. And um, I just wanted you to know that you do have that reputation for being such a great partner to the farmer. Um, so I think, think that brings me to my next question. You know, the sky's the limit really in terms of the impact that checkoff research can really make on the industry. What's next for you and your lab in particular? Well, I would say uh, continuing to keep that reputation, Rachel, that's really great to hear. That's, I think, one of the best things that I could receive as feedback as a researcher. So thanks for that. Um, in terms of what's coming next, I see what our lab is doing as keeping on supporting these questions that we get from farmers, like carbon credit markets. You know, we have heard a lot in the last 18 months, I would say about carbon programs. Um, the feds have rolled out a few research and extension programs uh, for climate smart commodities. Uh, carbon credits at the same time though are scientifically a, a little bit shady. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that there's some light that needs to be shined to get rid of some dark areas that we don't really know how things work. And then also I've heard loud and clear from many producers that they're not sure if these programs are worth being locked into just yet. Are the prices right? What about the issue of um, if you were doing a practice for, for the past 20 years, why can't you get credit for that practice? So these are the kinds of questions that inform what we're going to be doing in the coming years. And a lot of this is going to be featured in this ISA project with the checkoff funds. Um, understanding how much could you move the needle on carbon credits as a soybean producer in our states. Um, there's two components to a carbon credit. There's the soil carbon that you've sequestered, but there's also greenhouse gases. And these are really tricky to measure. We're talking hardware that costs $65,000 a piece, and, and there's a need for at least a couple of those. We're talking about people going to the field to each plot every week for four years straight. Um, and then we get the data that's sufficient to understand, coarsely speaking, hey, how much could you decrease the greenhouse gas component of the carbon credit? Right now, there's not a lot of research for soybean. I feel like soybean has been ignored from a research perspective when it comes to things like climate change and water quality. I'm trying to change that. And it's obviously, it takes a village. We have a great team and we have great farmers to work with. So I anticipate in the coming years, beginning, I think two years from now, especially the halfway point, we'll have better answers to soybean farmers about um, this is what the baselines look like typically for soybean uh, water and climate footprints. And here's how you might move the needle on those based on these practices. Andrew, what would you say is most challenging about what you do? And what would you say is most rewarding about your work? Perhaps what's most challenging is that there's only one of me and there's only 24 hours in every day. Um, there's so many great questions that I want to try to answer. Um, yeah, I wish I could clone myself and have 48 hours a day or something like that. Um, and I'm not trying to be snide here, but it's that the challenge is trying to pick what questions to work on and to put our team on. I'd say if I can cheat here and, and say that there's two things that I really enjoy. Um, first thing would be when we take students to the field and you train them in the lab on how do you analyze soils for X or Y, like nitrate outcome. When they see the numbers agree with what you think, you know, a farmer will tell a student, oh, with the cover crop, you might see a X percent change in nitrate. It's one thing to hear that, to actually see the numbers that you yourself collect match the reality that you've been told. 
a light goes off inside of people's minds and their, their and their eyes kind of have a twinkle. So seeing that is encouraging. Um, and then the second thing that is my favorite part of what I do would be um, being able to talk to farmers. I've had the pleasure of getting up early and driving out to meet someone in their shed as the world is coming to, as the world is waking up early in the morning and being able to sit there and just talk for a few hours. That's wonderful. I really enjoy going out and meeting and just seeing how people run their farms in different ways. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. You're very welcome. And thank you both for taking the time. I, I appreciate the chance to talk to your stakeholders. For sure. <laughs> thank you so much, Andrew. Have a good one. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of By Association. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Andrew Marganat. Please follow along on the Illinois Soybean Association social media pages to stay up to date on everything we're doing to support the 43,000 soybean farmers we have in Illinois. We'll see you next time.